There are two things that every relationship must have if it wants to be successful. Honest communication and trust. Obviously, establishing this in a relationship takes time, takes effort, and it's a risk. There's a risk that if you're too honest and too open, you might get hurt or the other person might get hurt. It takes a lot to trust, particularly for people with similar pasts to mine, those that have gone through trauma or mental illness, opening yourself up to someone else, either romantically, platonically, work life, or in your family can be quite challenging. In this episode, I'll break these concepts down and help you to develop stronger connections and relationships with the people in your life. So check that out. In the second part of the podcast, I'll be sharing with you two chapters of my book, Upgrade. This is a sci-fi anthology, and I'm just excited to share the book with you because I love writing fiction. So stay tuned if you're interested in those, those book chapters, and yeah, let's get into it. Successful relationships are built on a foundation of honesty and trust. This is for romantic engagements, this is for friendships, this is for workplaces, this is for family, this is for everything. Honesty and trust. I say this because my journey to coming to this conclusion, thats it's obvious, it's an obvious conclusion when you sort of think about it for a few minutes, but it, it, it sort of went against my childhood schemas, my, my attachment. I, did, I had a pretty rough childhood. It was fairly traumatic and there was lots of low-level constant stress and danger interspersed with sporadic bouts of extreme trauma. Now, I can talk about it freely now because I've been talking about it for a while, but years ago, I was unable to talk about it. I was unaware of just how it was impacting me. And because of this, I realized that looking back, my relationships were very scatty, very erratic. I was scared to make connections. My my default was to not trust people. And it makes sense. It makes sense why I wouldn't trust people because in my childhood, people let me down or they hurt me over and over again. And that causes you to just learn that, you know, that's quote unquote what the world's like. Now, as an adult, I've come to start working through changing that process. I'm trying to 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 overcome it. I'm trying to move on from it. And don't get me wrong, I still I still struggle to make connections. I still struggle with trust. I still struggle struggle with making plans. I still struggle with anxiety, but I'm able to see the issues for what it is and I'm able to be aware that I've got this sort of innate schema. I've got this sort of issue that I'm struggle with. So flash forward to now, what, what am I working on? How, how am I applying this to relationships? Well, I realized that human interaction and connection is fraught with the issues of miscommunication and deception. It's very easy to misunderstand someone. You know, someone says something, the words travel through the ether and they enter your brain. So now someone's thinking something, they try and interpret what they want and put it into words and words are limiting. You might have the best vocabulary, but you can't easily express everything that's in your mind, particularly when you're doing it quickly, particularly when you're under stress. But even if you had a book to explain how you're feeling, it's never going to quite match to the reality of what's going on in your inner world. We do our best, but words are a limited medium. So let's say you're listening to my words now. I'm doing my best to portray what I'm wanting to portray to you. 
They're traveling through the computer and they're coming out in the speaker, in your earbuds, whatever, into your ears. So there might be some garbling, there might be some some you know, literal external noise, or you might be stressed and that might be blocking off some of your hearing, so to speak, or your conceptualizing. So then the words enter your brain and you now have to put them into meaning. You have to interpret them. You don't just think about the word. The word becomes something sort of ethereal almost in your brain. So when I say something, what you see, what you understand is actually different to what I see and what I understand. And this leads to miscommunications, particularly if, you know, if people are stressed or if there's issues or if there's noise, there can be issues there. Now, this is obvious, but how does this relate to relationships? Well, if we don't have the idea of trusting our pe- the partner, we'll just call it a partner, or we're not being honest, there's an extra layer to that process. The layer of deception, the layer of game playing, the layer of just sort of overlaying to save feelings for lack of a better expression. So imagine if instead of being open and honest, I was trying to save your feelings. Now, what that means is that I would have to skirt around the topic of what I'm trying to say. It means that I would have to hint at things. I would have to say things in a roundabout way so that I don't offend you. Similarly, if I was manipulative or if I thought that you may be manipulative, I couldn't trust you, I'm now concerned that the words you're saying and what you mean and what you'll do aren't quite in line. So now I'm trying to process all of that at once. I think a better approach is to be as open and honest as possible with the people you're around and develop trusting relationships with those people. Trust that you will talk openly and honestly, trust that you'll do the right thing, and trust that you can bring up miscommunications with each other. Now, this isn't to say that I will just sort of attack you with honesty. You know, if I'm out with my partner or with a friend or with someone and they're not asking for my opinion or my advice, I won't give it to them if they're dressed in a way that's a bit ridiculous, I'm not just going to like throw it at them and say, hey, you look shit. But if they ask me, if they say, hey, Zach, what do you think of these clothes? I will tell them the honest answer. I'm not going to skirt around that. If they're saying like, oh, hey, you know, what do you think of this situation? If I think it's bad, I will tell it to them straight. And this has... Yeah, obviously some feelings have been hurt, but then following this process, you just talk about those and you keep moving on. And I'm not going to say things to purposely hurt people. It's more just, this is, this is how I feel. This is what's happened. This is, this is how I've been impacted. Um, you know, let's talk about it. Let's talk openly and honestly. Okay. Well, when you said it with that tone, that implied this to me and now I'm upset. Okay. Well, I didn't mean that. What I meant was this. And we can talk it through. And by talking it through, we can really clarify the situation. We can develop these deep, trusting relationships. This ends up with a situation in which everyone around me that's close to me can speak their mind and I can speak my mind back. It's so freeing. It's so comforting. It's so relaxing. Given my past, given my inability to to sort of just innately feel comfortable, this approach is working because I'm able to just speak my mind. I'm able to trust the person. Now, some fail-safes. 
there have been a couple of people in my life that have done wrong by me in the recent history that have lost my trust. So now I, although I might associate with them because, you know, they're, I train with them at the gym or they're in my family or they're, you know, a relative of a friend of mine or whatever, because I'm, because they're sort of quote unquote forced to be in my life. But I know this person to not be trustworthy for me. I know this person to be deceitful or to go against their word or to be playing games or to be, you know, sharing things with other people that I thought was spoken in confidence that we agreed to, you know, anything that was a break of trust. I now know not to be as trustworthy with that person. I now have my guard up a bit because I know that that person has the capacity to lose my trust. Does that trust stay broken forever? No, but over time when that trust is rebuilt, when I see, you know, try it with little things, get the trust back. If they break the trust again, typically I give them, you know, one try, one chance. If they break it again, we're done in the sense that I just won't, I'll just sort of, okay, I'm like, okay, well, once I understand twice, mm, it's probably, it's probably something to do with you and I'm not, I don't feel comfortable opening up to you. Will I do business with you? Will I connect with you? Can I train with you? Sure. Will I let you into my inner circle and my inner world? And will I foster a deep, long-lasting, trusting relationship with you? No. But that's okay. It's okay to have people in your life like that, provided you know what they're like. The final thing on this topic that I want to mention is that I will have the default assumption that people are trustworthy now. I will trust people on a default and let them break that trust if that's going to happen. And the reason I do this is that it's basically, most people are trustworthy. Most people are actually nice. Yeah, you've got to have your gut up a little bit for some people, but the vast majority won't screw you over. Um, and having a positive outlook, even just sort of just thinking to myself, I'm going to think of this person as positive when I meet them. It results in that person being positive to me because they're, receiving, they're feeling it, they're, they're seeing the tone, they're seeing the body language, and they're just positive to me back. This has caused a lot of growth in relationships and connections quite quick, excuse me, quite quickly. So if I was you, I would lean towards fostering positive relationships. I would lean towards developing open and honest communication and connection. I would lean towards having the default assumption that people are nice and are good and will treat you well. With, in the back of your mind, going, well, okay, if they breach some trust, if they do something that I'm not a fan of, if they talk about me behind my back, if they, at words and actions don't link up, all of that sort of stuff, that you will pull back that trust and you might give them one chance and then if they break that, you, you, you've got the read on the person. So, yeah, let me know what you think about that because... I found from my past moving towards a more trusting relationship, like I was very sheltered and now I'm sort of opening up to it. I'm moving into it more. I'm sort of getting getting better with all of that sort of stuff. Connect with me if you like to. I'm more than happy to chat with you on social media. I can be found at Zach B. Phillips or on my website at Zachary-Phillips.com. And if you like this podcast, if you like what I'm doing here, please, please, please help me out. There's a couple of things you can do. The first one is... Just tell people about it. Let's build up the following. You know, link this to someone who needs to hear it, who who has trouble trusting or who is in a relationship or who, yeah, that sort of stuff. Just share the word, spread it. 
And if you would like to support the podcast more directly, there's a link down below that you can click to support. You'll see the direct options of how you can support, for example, via Patreon or by purchasing one of my books. So speaking of my books, as you know, I release everything that I do chapter by chapter online as a podcast and a blog for free. So if you sign up, if you follow, if you stay tuned, sign up to the email list that I've got on my website, you'll be able to get all of this delivered to your inbox for free. If you like what I'm doing here, you can always purchase the book as a way to own it and as a way to support what I'm doing. So today I've got two chapters, in fact, from my book, Upgrade. This is a sci-fi anthology in which humans are basically becoming integrated with machines. The, the first chapter is a poem called Changing Our Reality, and it's written by a person who's decided not to become integrated with, with technology, and they're facing persecution and lack of work and all of that sort of stuff, so they're expressing themselves in a poem. The second chapter is called Historical File H001A, and this is the first part of the history of the Upgrade universe. So I'll play both of those. And like I said, if you like it, you can grab yourself a copy. The links will be down below. It's out as a paperback, ebook, and audiobook. Enjoy. Part 5 Changing Our Reality. The following poem was found on the body of a suspected natural terrorist following a Bureau of Religious and Ideological Acceptance raid on a slum. Changing Our Reality. We had little choice but to comply. Conform, obey, integrate, or die. They shut down our church and burnt our home. They threw us onto the street to fend for our own. Salvation was offered, that much is true. But sacrificing my soul, I just couldn't do. So here I lie, wallowing in torment. Yet all they do is step over me and comment. What filth, what trash, oh how I despise thee. Thank God for this update, now my eyes no longer see. They're hiding from the truth, they don't live in reality. It's a fraud, a fiction, leading to depravity. It was a slow transition for society to reach its current state. Incremental change kept progressing, never wanting to wait. But just how the moon doesn't move when you stare at it intently. No one noticed our nature becoming altered directly. Each small advancement was heralded as a godsend. Hunger, poverty and crime was coming to an end. These desires are natural, thus having them cannot be faulted. Yet to make such external changes, the human animal had to be altered. So we all accepted new technology without questioning its potential. Now the end is justifying the means, its victims, inconsequential. Part 6. Historical File H001A You've selected Historical File H001A. A Modern Recount of Humanity's Journey to Integration, Part A. 2039. The natural resources of the modern world are becoming ever more scarce. Poverty and famine are rife. Pollution and deforestation have ravaged the earth. Large cities, surrounded by endless slums, begin to encompass most of the world's surface. Population growth is out of control, particularly in third world countries. Please, give what you can. Only use what you need. In many countries, larger families are seen as a form of natural welfare. They know that their governments can no longer support them into old age, so they rely on their children. Due to the high mortality rate amongst infants and the young, parents are having upwards of five children, hoping that at least one or two survive into adulthood. 
thus supporting their elderly parents. These children then do the same. Total population was predicted to reach 11 billion by the end of the decade. It's clear to most that this cycle cannot go on for much longer. Economists predict that if the current trends continue, the majority of Earth's population will be facing water shortages, famine and disease. There is increasing tensions amongst nations as each begins to realise that the resources of the Earth are finite. The era of plenty is fast coming to an end. 2041 marks the first of a series of major terrorist attacks committed against the world's largest superpower, the United States. Specific details relating to the motives of the perpetrators remain scarce. There is little to no connection between attacks in regards to religion, ideology or country of origin. We were targeted for these attacks because we represent a beacon for hope. Steel and mortar can be destroyed, but they cannot break our spirit, nor halt our will to avenge these atrocities and bring the perpetrators to justice. In response to these attacks, military spending sharply increases. Funding is funneled into additional recruitment drives, securing home-based production facilities and technological advancements. Psychological warfare in the form of social media manipulation, both on the home front and abroad, is given special attention. The population is whipped into a state of patriotic fervour. Over the next decade, the United States becomes involved in a spate of small, humanitarian operations in various lawless corners of the globe. The status objectives included restoring law and order, providing aid and assistance to the local populations, and ensuring that the perpetrators of the attacks are swiftly brought to justice. No more occupations. Do you really think that the thousands that you lost in those cowardly attacks can equate to the millions of us that you've killed or displaced? For what? To take your revenge on a couple of hundred men? Men that you can't even prove originated from here? A substantial military presence is left in each country to provide ongoing support to the newly established governments in each flagelling nation, who in turn agree to favourable conditions for the trading of their country's dwindling supplies of natural resources. 2051. Tensions reach breaking point as small border conflicts between small nations start to erupt around the globe. Larger countries begin to take sides. Threats, sanctions and ultimatums are levelled in all directions. If you can fight, you must. For you, for your family, for your nation, for humanity. You've been warned. Any hostile actions will be met with swift and total retribution. 2052. The militaries of all nations are mobilised in response to successive nuclear exchanges between rival nations in Africa and the Middle East. During the confusion, the United States military began a move of aggressive expansion, attacking outward in all directions. With this operation, it quickly seizes strategic control of all territories of its occupied nations. Under threat, Russia, China and India, along with many smaller nations, retaliate. This marks the beginning of the War of Resources. We must immediately strike back at the United States. Their aggressive expansion poses an existential risk to our national sovereignty. Mutually assured destruction prevents any further use of atomic weapons, but not the use of conventional warfare. Global conscription is introduced as the war devolves into a battle of attrition. Fortunes fluctuate, but no nation can secure a lasting foothold. 2057 The devastation of the war of resources is on a scale humanity has never seen. No country is left unscathed. At best, populations are halved. At worst, complete nations are wiped off the map. After five years of such a destructive stalemate, the will to fight on is broken. Most of the world's resources are all but depleted. Cities are in ruins. Populations decimated. Economies in depression, and their morale at an all-time low. Every family had lost a loved one. 
world leaders are forced to convene a ceasefire to discuss the terms of peace and reconstruction. In order for this peace to last, we must think and act differently. No longer can we afford to view through the lens of suspicion, self-serving motives, or betrayal between neighbours. Humanity can no longer afford to be divided into subjective camps of us and them. We must view ourselves as one people, a collective race, all working together towards a common goal. 2058. The Nations for Lasting Peace Council is created, with the charge of ensuring everlasting peace. World leaders realise how close the world came to complete destruction. Territorial differences and religious problems are put aside, with most nations agreeing to the terms and signing up. A charter for the distribution of natural resources is created. The main stipulation is fairness. No more will there be a first and third world. No longer will there be inequality. A global union is established consisting of one currency, a central government, and consistent law. We are all human. Our differences are insignificant. They pale in comparison to our similarities. We must work together to ensure that we are all looked after, all have food and clean water, and importantly, that we are all free from the clutches of war. Any dissenting voices are crushed with global sanctions and military intervention. The rogue countries quickly comply. The end will justify the means. The human race cannot afford to fall back into war. We must swiftly and efficiently crush any opposition. The nations for lasting peace will ensure the safety and continuation of the human race. We will prevail. 2071. The world continues to rebuild, with the nations for lasting peace employing various strategies designed to ensure stability and global peace. Fear-mongering propaganda techniques are employed, with endless campaigns reminding the population of the atrocities of war. An advert plays. A small child stands in front of a burnt house, dirty and in tears. Mummy, Daddy, where are you? A warplane flies overhead. The child shrieks in terror. Then the tagline appears. Remember the destruction. Remember the fear. Remember the death. Social consensus trends towards peace, but the constant foreboding and trepidation pushed by the nations for lasting peace has undesirable side effects. Psychological diseases, including anxiety disorders and depression, have become more prevalent. Studies show that fear and apprehension of death by any cause are on the increase. The same is true for most illnesses, from the extreme to the benign. I just can't handle it. My grandmother came down with bronchitis last week, and she died. What if I get sick? What if I catch something? I couldn't handle it. I just couldn't. First it's a cough. And a headache. That's where it starts, you know. I must stay inside. People are infected. What if I get hit by a car? They're everywhere. It's safer in here. A global health warning has been listed for the MX311 strain. Please take precautions outlined by your local sanitations office when interacting with the domestic felines. An open cull has been authorised for all feral animals. If you see one, do not approach it. Call the hotline and an exterminator will be sent immediately. So thanks for listening, guys. If you'd like to grab yourself a copy of that book, Upgrade, it's out now as a paperback, ebook, and audiobook on Amazon. And I'll chuck a link down below so you can grab a copy now. Catch ya.